The following program was produced by a community producer. The content, views, and opinions expressed are the sole responsibility of the community producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV welcomes your comments. Call us at 781-321-6400 or email us at access at matv.org. Hello and welcome to Malden 02148. I'm your guest hostess today, Ed Lucy, and my guest is Michael Goldman, who has a well-known name in Malden, and as a matter of fact, in a lot of ways, he's more Maldonian than, than some people who live here, as even though he hasn't say, been here. Malden, damn straight. Yeah. Love Malden. Yeah. And comes from a, a distinguished and well-liked family here oh, in Malden for many years. Yeah. Yeah. We have an election coming up next Tuesday. You didn't give me the commercial. You're supposed to say, and I'm proud to say that this year um, he got inducted in the Malden High School Hall of Fame, which did not exist when Ed and I went to high school. And, uh, and um, uh, I came back here uh, and uh, got to see the school for the first time since I graduated back in 66 and uh, had a terrific experience. was very, very impressed by the school, impressed by the educational people, got to meet seniors, and then they did this wonderful dinner where they inducted a bunch of us into the Hall of Fame. And so, uh, uh, again, uh, I was lucky to get out of the high school, <laughs> and it was certainly fun to be uh, back uh, being inducted. Well, it was, uh, there were other people in your class or in that era no. that there were... Uh, Nobody in my class got in, wait, but wait, Ron wait. Cox... Who was the who was as we, many people know involved with the with the cable station? He also was inducted, but but the, my favorite was the guy who wrote uh, "Spirit in the Sky," the famous song "Spirit in the Sky." He got inducted. He was the class of 1960, I think. And so, but it was a wonderful experience. Ed, I I know you know you get to do stuff. I I don't get to come back often, and it was really the first time I'd ever been in the high school as it now exists. I went when it was the old. Jenkins was the, the, the Malden High School, that's the, the old high school, was the new high school then, and the old high school was still up with the, with the gay auditorium, and the, um, uh, so it was, it was to walk through and to see the kids, and again, uh, the diversity of the city uh, is extraordinary compared to the diversity of the city when you and I were, as it were, in, in our prime. We've talked about this before, um, the number of languages spoken in the school system and the, the kinds of, 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 of people are exactly the same as the people who are here, except they're different ethnicities, different colors, different, different nationalities. But it's the same kind of people, you know, working class people who love their families, want to be in a safe place, love the community, very active. It's, 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 it's quite amazing to see compared to other communities. And um, it's not only a change in, in on the surface, but but in some ways it's uh, it's an issue that sometimes people don't easily accept because uh, there's an old old one of the uh, people that lived here a long time and since passed away and and um, he used to refer to people that uh, like a mentality about they're not townies. Well, the, you know, listen, I, I moved up to Marblehead, and, and I've been there now for 43 years, and I'm still— Is it that long? And it's called—we're called Outlanders. Outlanders. My daughters are Inlanders because they were born in Marblehead. But, Interesting. But my wife and I, both of Malden, we were—and uh, and it doesn't matter whether you stay 80 years or 100 years. If you weren't born in Marblehead, yeah. you're not a Marbleheader. Right, And yeah. Malden—but, you know, as you all know, when— would Malden, people look back to the 60s and think of Malden as in its sort of prime as a city. The fact is, is we did slum clearance all over the city. We, you know, I, I've got on my wall posted something from Fred Lamson, 1958, announcing the Suffolk Square slum clearance program. They didn't even call it Urban Park. 
No, that, that was Ward one, that was seven one. This is seven three down in Suffolk Square. Did you live in Elmwood Park? Yeah, Elmwood Park. Well, that's why I mentioned it. Yeah, no, no, no. But I also <laughs> lived in Suffolk Square. We were, yeah. we were we were closed out. My grandfather's store, and you know, down uh, by the Bryant Terraces, with Bryant Terraces. The point is, you know, as you well know, Edgeworth, you know, where Andy Markey lived, where the factories, you know, were, and. Uh, they didn't call it, until the 60s, they didn't call it urban renewal, which made it sound classier. It was slum clearance in Malden. And th- those, are the, those are the times when people look back and think Malden was great back then. So why do we have to tear it down and put up new housing? Because it was Malden. And, you know, you need to grow and you need to change and you need to expand. And, and there was a lot healthy. of federal money. And there was tons of federal money. Thank God the Democrats <laughs> were in. You know, no, seriously, it was uh, Toby McDonald, as you well know, the McDonald yeah. Stadium. He was uh, roommates with uh, with uh, Jack uh, Kennedy. Jack Kennedy at Harvard, yeah. and Jack Kennedy made sure that Malden got plenty of money. Yeah. So interesting stuff. You know, and, and, and LBJ too, to his credit. Yeah. Well, as time goes on, the only thing constant has changed. Yes. We also now are reached a level where even elections have been affected by the Boy. not just Malvin, but in general. Over the re, over the recent past, efforts at the national and uh, the local level have been an effort to get people to and encourage people to vote. And yet, what we see is that the involvement in, in, at that way is it keeps diminishing. Someone mentioned to me. Recently, that in, um, and this has to do with city elections. And generally, what the rule of thumb is: a national left elections, you get seventy plus percent of the yep. people vote. State elections, particularly if there's a contested at the high level of right. a governorship or a senate race, fifty percent yeah, of the forty to fifty. Yep. Uh, at the local level, maybe forty in the old days, and yeah. now it's in the twenties. I was going to say, I, I'm surprised it's that high, but uh, that and, doesn't and surprise he, me. He had mentioned to me. That in the early '80s, in two elections, um, in a contested election for mayor, um, the two candidates were uh, Jim Conway and Tom Fallon. The turnout was in November was 62 percent wow. at the local level, and the following election, I believe, if I'm, my memory is correct, is that it dropped down to the low fif- about 50 percent. But th- in that particular election, there was a uh, a contested election, but not to the degree that the right, first one right. was. So Fal- that the right. number Fal- that was even at fifty percent. Conway didn't run that election. He jumped it, waited four years before he came back. It was very smart. That's right. Well, because yes, he knew. Yeah, and um, the other option, obviously, that happens is that, uh, like now, um, there's a there is a state election, and it, it's almost like the, the, the well, a lot of the candidates are unknown. To, to the they are not, not almost. All right, let, let's go back to your other thing, which is really interesting. You pointed out, and then we'll go to the sort of macro. So the micro part of this is that you just noticed or just mentioned. There are two things you can say about why people vote. Number one, they're motivated to vote because they want something good to happen, or they want some candidate that they care about to get elected. The second thing is, I'm really happy with my mayor. The way I show him happy is. I don't vote. If I'm upset with them, I'm going to vote. I don't vote proactively and say, Ed Lucy was a great mayor and he's done a good job, so I'm going to go in and make sure I cast my ballot to send him a message of what a good job he's doing. What they say is, Ed Lucy's doing a great job. He's going to win. I'm not going to bother to vote because he's doing a good job. And, of course, for a candidate, it's almost a weird phenomenon. But that's been with us for a long time. Now what happens is as more and more people find themselves disconnected to uh, what government used to do for them. So, for example, I mean, again, and I keep alluding back to you, um, you know, part of being, when Ed Markey first got elected to Congress back in in the the day, people still called up the congressman because you wanted to get somebody over from Italy, a grandmother over from Russia, a cousin over from... from, uh, from, um, um, Ukraine. The Ukraine. You know, know, there were still Irish coming over who didn't come over in the second, even the second wave that you wanted to get in. And what people don't understand and what's been forgotten is in 1925, the U.S. Congress, in their wisdom shut down immigration for 95% of of potential applicants. So the Irish who came over in your father and your mother and and maybe even your grandparents' wave, 
right? My to, father was born in Malden, but uh, my mother was, was born in Ireland. Ireland, okay. So you got one there. His parents were both born in? They came from Ireland. Right. So so he was born here. And it, similarly, my grandmother was born in uh, the Pale of Settlement. Her sister, Polly, was born in America. They had made the, the transition. So that was very common. The point the point is, is, is that um, when we shut down immigration— we did it in a way that when I was growing up, I didn't have any idea that we were not letting in the numbers of people that we had let in when your great-grandparents, grandparents, my great-grandparents, grandparents came in. Uh, and it was particularly targeted, interestingly enough, to, to Italians and Jews because they thought there were enough of those people here. And we didn't open them up till 1964. So from 1925 to 1964... It was almost impossible to get a relative over. You, it was a tiny, tiny universe of people. It wasn't the, you know, give us your poor. Your, and so politicians were extraordinarily important, congressmen, state senators, state reps, in helping people get over the people who did make it. It wasn't a complete nobody. Someone had to come, and I wanted it to be my grandmother. And so the power, when we were starting out, <coughs> I had no reason to believe that wasn't the way it always was. But before 1925, virtually anyone could get in by just arriving. And so our whole early career, your and my early career in politics, was really driven by the idea that state reps and state senators and mayors and people in political power mattered. Well, I'll qualify one gone. thing, though. The earlier immigrants that came here, that came to Ellis Island, they could maybe get in the country, and it was easy once they got this far. But if they had health, health issues, Boom. no money or no See sponsors. See you later. Go send them, them back. Right. But there still were billions in the can And that's how, we, that's how our pre-Malden ancestors, if you will, got here, and they became sort of— But, but we didn't have, again, once 1964 came and, and, and things lessened and people became more empowered and, and the immigrant's son, the innocent grandson, became an insurance guy and got himself elected to the local office and had kids and the kids went to college and the co they became lawyers and doctors and Indian chiefs, you know? And so it became a different dynamic and the need for local government, the understanding of what local government can do for you dissipated. And we are suffering from that today. That's just the great point you made or making for today. The lack of interest in this cycle is not simply due to the fact we don't even have a race for governor on the Democratic side, which usually would be the generating factor. There's going to be a, an abysmal turnout in the final because the truth is, you know, even if Dowdy pulls off the upset, and I'm going to predict that he may today, so uh, in the Republican side, the reality is, is, is Maura Healy is the next governor. So why, why should I bother to vote if she's going to be the next governor? And there's no congressional fight here in this district, so there's no reason to go to vote for Congress. The, my state rep, no one's running against uh, Steve uh, 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 Turno, right? Trino, the uh, state oh, rep. Oh, El Trino. Nobody's running against him. He's doing a good, you know, mind no. his own business. The state senator doesn't have a race. Our congresswoman's powerful. She's a great congresswoman. She's got real juice. <clears throat> so why should I bother to vote? Because what, what do they do for me anyway, except take my tax money and tell me I can't park somewhere? Of course, the alternative to that would be that there are instances where a, a very active election is not so much to support someone, it's a vote of mouth. It's always, that gets to my point. <laughs> it, the biggest compliment you can give to Mayor Ed Lucy is to not vote for him because he's doing a good job and there's no reason to kick him. That's what I, that was the point I was making before. Yeah. And and they're only they only get motivated if there's a reason to do something negative, if you will. And that is, I want a replacement. I'm not happy. Inflation's too high. You know, they're not doing what I want to do on my street. Blah blah blah. I mean, who goes to the meetings? The loudest voices. Do they represent anyone other than themselves? And no, they're 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 all. The word I use all the time is siloed. They're all these little. And when 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 we were in our prime, if you will, um, it was much more a broader, you know, circle. So, you know, you had people who were conservative, people who were liberal. That had, that took out a lot of things. Now, it, it's the, it's, I'm an environmental person. I'm, choice is my issue. Uh, guns is my issue. Um, uh, gender equality is my issue. Um, the environment is my issue. 
<coughs> and it's hard to get people to get out of the DM silo to see when I vote for Ed Lucy for mayor, I'm voting for the totality of the decisions that he's going to make, not for the single little issue that I care about. But we've been, people in my business have been unable to figure out how to talk to people about why government matters to them every day in their lives, how decisions get made that really do impact the way the kids get educated, how the roads get plowed or, 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 or paved, uh, the police and fire in your community. You know, we've just done a terrible job, Ed, in, in convincing people that any of that matters to them. And shame on us because, we, you know, it, 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 it's, you know, you and I both know because we're there how many decisions that get made every single day that do matter in the lives of people. And they just never know it. Well, um, people are going to have a chance to make a, a decision. By the way, we had last Tuesday here in Marlin, which is an annual event, the Democratic Party, uh, the Dem Democratic City Committee, at a cookout. Oh, really? That's great. And they do it every year. How many and, people show uh, This year, um, we had hamburgers, but they were indoors. <laughs> and we had French, not potato salad, and we had uh, hot good. dogs. But, but anyway, and candidates. Marblehead, we do uh, lobster, but we'll let it go for yeah, now. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but candidates were invited to attend and, yeah. and get up and get a chance to speak to the group. And how many did? There. How many? Well, we had we had a, a few and 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 a cross section. Yeah. Was one of interesting, and, interesting. I'd uh, like to know who showed. Yeah, and one of the things I might comment on is, is as far as that goes um, getting back to what you said my my uh, my sense was it wasn't as well attended as in years gone by by the, by the local residents and that may be that where it was late in august people thinking that maybe kids going back to school so they were refocused or maybe uh, the ticket price had changed a, a little bit so maybe that was a factor and sometimes the, uh, the people that are kind of central to the issue, uh, and it'll be kind of interesting come next year when you have a city election right. to see what the comparison is in terms of the same kind of event. Even though we have a nonpartisan election at the local level, they still have a Democratic Absolutely. cookout. Yep. But yep. Um, for the de on the Democratic side, the governor uh, uh, candidate did not attend. Right. But that's understandable. They have a lot right. of choices. And, uh, and, and and she doesn't have a primary. Right. And and you got no choice. You go in, you can either blank her or vote for her. Right. And then uh, on lieutenant governor... Um, Driscoll versus um, Lesser. Well, they have... Th yeah, Lesser. And there's, there's a third, third one in a wrap, too. A third yeah, wrap and the interesting thing is... Who uh, showed? Kim Driscoll came. She's the mayor of... Uh, Salem. Salem. And... Um, the other two people, my recollection, they were not there. Right. But again, in fairness to them, there's a lot of middle a lot of the of week. Choices, they right. have a lot of options, to maybe long planned ahead of schedule. So therefore, I would comment and say it was very, very smart of Crindisville to come because it's close enough to Salem where people feel as though if I say the word Salem, most people in Malden say I've been there. Whether it's because you're going to the uh, to the uh, ghost house or you or the house of seven gables Witches. or the witch's house, <laughs> uh, you know, you, uh, in October, Lesser, who is her strongest opponent, comes from Longmeadow, Mass. That's correct. And the other person comes from Acton. And Acton. What do people in Malden know about Acton and Longmeadow? Yeah. And, and I tell yeah. the story. I, yeah. I've actually uh, won bar bets in saying to people, who was the last Republican or Democrat who was in an elective primary or in, in, in one statewide office that was west of Worcester? Foster Furcolo. You got it. 1958. Okay. And he was, interesting enough, from Longmeadow. Correct. So, so literally, most people in Massachusetts, if you say in, in Malden, if you say where or bar, or, you know, it, it's not Amherst because they're not it's where UMass is. You know, some of them may have heard of Holyoke because it's a you know bit of a city. But, you know, it, it's like people out there saying, Medford, Malden, what, what are you talking? I don't know what that is. And so um, she being close, this geographically helps her. If you're lesser... Um, uh, this is a this is a real stretch and a half to get here, and, and if you're the candidate from Acton, the same thing. You, you yeah. want to go to your base more. Yeah. To, to and post. although uh, I I um, I've seen uh, commercials more recently on both uh, uh, Kim Driscoll and, and him, Lesser. but not the third person. She if has there no is, money. I haven't recalled yeah, seeing no, her. No, no money. No, she's not on TV. So, um, um, 
the, the attorney general, you got three people. Right. And, One of them dropped out yesterday. No, you didn't even know that. What's that? Who's, you didn't even know that. There you that? go. The guy who dropped out oh, yesterday, Paul Free, who, Paul believe Free. it or not, uh, and again, I, I'm always here to have fun, but uh, uh, who was Paul Free's great-grandfather? You got the, the Foster Ferkel. You can get this. Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt. Was his great, and he never mentions it. Because he's running as a Democrat, and Teddy Roosevelt was a Republican back would, in the day, but he was a progressive Republican. He was, and he—it's a great Quentin, very very smart. Tried to run a couple of years ago for lit gov, if you remember, lost that race too. I don't remember. Yeah, that. two four years ago, he was lit gov and lost. He ran uh, for what? Lit, Lieutenant governor. Oh, okay. Won the primary and then lost to Charlie Baker and the team. Oh. He was he was the Democratic nominee for Lieutenant Governor for you. You know, we don't even remember, and he dropped out and endorsed. Um, Andrea Campbell. Oh, interesting. And yesterday, and now they're crisscrossing the state together against Shannon uh, Reardon, who has spent eight trillion dollars to buy the race. Yeah, I was uh, I was away um, two weeks ago, from Thursday t- to Monday, um, and I had my ha- mail held. Uh, so I actually uh, had four days meal when I went to the post office. How and picked many pieces them up. of hers? And she, get, I had two <laughs> stuffers from her, and I got another one yesterday. There you go. But uh, my uh, my sense is from little uh, knowledge that's going on in the, at the state level, her ability to spend the level that she has been able to, it probably helps her campaign to Absolutely. some degree. Oh, that's some degree. I, She's I don't think now even in the mix. people remember she had run before uh, and and dropped out. No, did she drop Yeah, she, she ran against Markey, and um, she was the third person in the race with Markey and Kennedy. Okay, well, I see. I know she ran before. I didn't realize she had dropped out. But but now I, she put in millions of her own money. Yeah, and, and um, the thing with her is I almost think uh, most candidates have a, a lack of resources to get exposure. She's overexposed. Right. I would, I would tend to agree with that. I, I would say this to you. The most interesting thing in that race, and I do not have a candidate, so I'm not, I'm not pushing anybody here. Only trying to be as fair as I can be. Um, um, going back to Ed and, and my youth in politics, uh, you know, the first really great attorney general of our lifetime was 1974. Was uh, Frank Bellotti. And he served for 12 years before he left and then tried to run for governor four years after that, if you remember, in 1990. And after him was Jim Shannon for one term. And then my candidate, Scott Hoshbiger, beat Jim Shannon and served for two terms and lost for governor. And then after that, a guy named Tom Riley ran. Remember Tom? And then Martha Coakley. And then my client, um, Amora Healy, uh, ran and, uh, and won. And the amazing thing is, so you're talking from 1974... Frank Bellotti, to Maura Healy, who is running for governor, every one of them, including Maura Healy, has endorsed Andrea Campbell. I mean, think about the possibilities. And remember, Sheenan, his opponent was Scott Hosberger, and both of them agree that it should be Andrea Campbell. And sadly, that story, that would have been what I would have done in her race. I would have run... How can you're talking, you know, eight eight attorney generals over close to seventy five years of service, thousands of cases, hundreds of thousands of convictions, and they've all said it should be her. And you haven't seen a single commercial saying that. On Campbell. On Campbell. She's done one now. But she's got. But that's not her message. Oh, I see. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's interesting. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't if, realize. If you're a real yeah. person, you know, what's the difference, man? That that's the system. Jesus, they. It would be like me saying Ed, Ed Lucy was mayor of uh, of Malden, and and the person who he beat and the person who beat him, um, Which, um, they all endorsed the same candidate for mayor of Malden. I'd say, wow, it's interesting. Ed Lucy's the person. But you're talking about half a dozen people, and you're talking half a dozen going over seventy years. Yeah, that's amazing. I, and yet you didn't know that, and you're again, you somebody who pay attention, and but she has not had the money. Uh, to uh, you know, to she thought she should save him, and we'll talk about this later. Is whether people are learning the new lesson of politics is you may have to spend your money early because people are going to vote earlier, 
right? So she held her money because it was much less. Reden had more money than God. There was nobody to push back and say, this isn't true. And um, um, so it's a very, it's going to be a very close fight in the end. The question's going to be um, how much of Boston? The early vote so far has almost all come from the suburbs, not even Maldives, the, the real suburb suburbs. And the people who are going to vote Election Day are, are the urban places, Malden, Medford, whatever, and Boston, and Springfield, Holyoke, whatever. You know, if you're living in Acton, you probably already cast a ballot, right? And so it'll be f interesting. If I were to make a guess right now, based on the early television, I'd say Ridden's got a lead. But um, um, I think that Campbell, in the end, She's got very good name recognition in Boston because she ran for mayor and almost won the against Wu, and uh, and again with all the AGs with her. Um, but that's going to be a fun race to watch on, on next Tuesday. Yeah, but wasn't there a story when she ran for mayor? Wasn't there a story that had to do with her husband? Isn't he a real estate developer? No, that was another, that's a different one. That's the woman who actually won the primary against her, Anissa George. Oh, okay. Right. She her husband is uh, is a I believe either a a public service attorney or a social worker. No, you're talking about Anissa George's okay, husband. Glad to clarify right, that. Right, right, right. So okay. it's, she came, interestingly enough, again, because I live a boring life, unlike most of you, your viewers, um, the city of Cambridge, unlike Malden, is one of the few communities that rank vote. Yeah. So you go in, you say, I want to vote for Ed Lucy for... Like Alaska. Right, right, exactly, like Alaska. And so it takes weeks to get the results in. You have okay. to figure out how many ones, how many twos, how many. Yeah. So yeah. you can vote for nine, but if you bullet, that's more powerful because now you don't have eight other people getting. So if you take a look at the Boston ballot, which included Michelle Wu, included Anissa George, who came in second, included Janie, who was the city mayor, included Campbell, who was in there, uh, among others, if they had rank voted, Campbell would have won. She had more number ones than anyone else. The reason that uh, she she didn't is they don't rank vote, and um, I, I shouldn't say that. Wu had more ones, so she won, but Campbell had more ones, twos, and threes than anyone. And the combined numbers, how you would she would have beaten Wu for mayor. Yeah. That that's a little history that people will never remember. Oh well, that's actually uh, fascinating. So that's probably uh, uh, an interesting situation when you when you when you get to the background. But right. like I said, there's a difference of uh, the ability to do that. To, and as other the other candidate you mentioned didn't even mention his connection to Teddy Roosevelt. Can you imagine? He, he could have gone up San Juan Hill. With exactly. Him. You know, or you could have said the values <laughs> that Teddy Teddy was. We have national parks for yeah. anyone who saw the Ken Burns special. Yeah. Because of Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. We had reform of the business community, the breaking of the trust because of Teddy I mean, yeah. you could say as Attorney General, I'm going to do what my great-grandfather did 120 years ago. Yeah. I'm going to make America, a, a, and that's what he did, Teddy yeah. Roosevelt. That's yeah. what he's famous for, yeah. Was, yeah. Was, was really creating today's democracy. The thing that you and I so love is really a Teddy Roosevelt 1900 reform of our governmental system and, and breaking the backs of the oil trusts and the and the and the trend the the, the the train trusts and all the people who didn't allow competition to flourish and democracy and uh, capitalism only flourishes when there is a relatively level playing field if you make it impossible for the little guy to compete then the big guy is always going to win and then he's going to raise prices once there's no more competition and what Teddy Roosevelt and what we understood until literally recently, that you know, our capitalism, our democracy, melded with a sort of a, an idea of, but we still have responsibilities. The socialism, social security, Meals on Wheels, student loans. We figured out how to make that all work together. My fear, Ed, my terror, is we are going into a cycle where nobody understands how capitalism works. You can use a word like socialism, whereas 90% of the people are in favor of Social Security. You say socialist, I'm not a socialist. Well, Social Security says, I'm not going to let anyone be hungry and die of starvation if they work their whole, whole lives. That's what, you know, and, 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 and if someone's kid, unfortunately, is born with a defect, I'm going to make sure they can get an education, right? I mean, you know, uh, I'm going to make sure there's public transportation for senior citizens. 
those aren't capitalist ideas. They're, they're part of how we grow as a community. And the terror for me is the, of Trumpism is this idea that he's been able to say to people, it's us against them. They get everything, we get nothing. It's always for the old, the poor, kids, Vietnam veterans, the mentally ill. Who takes care of us? We're regular people. All we do is pay tax. Well, who paves your roads? Who, who gives you police and fire? Who makes sure the electricity's there? I mean, we've got to do a better job of talking back to that, or we are going to really split this country in a way we haven't seen since the aforementioned Teddy Roosevelt. Well, we... Um, <laughs> We're drifting in a direction. I uh, know. I'm sorry. We're, no, no, no. But no, no. But the, the, the thing is, the, the long-range issues that are facing this country can't be solved very quickly in some instances, or maybe they can be at best compromised. Right. But no one wants to listen to the other person in no. Washington. So it appears that there's two extremes. And exactly. But exactly. This, we'll stick here right now. We'll oh, please. Um, Secretary of State's an interesting election. Yep. Every four years, Bill Gavin, who's had the position for a very long time. Yeah, since we were both babies in the womb. Not quite that long. Yeah, but a I, long time. I was in the I, I'm teasing. Uh, but he gets a credible opponent each four years in more recent elections. And f four years ago, he had a city council from Boston yep. who, who, on the surface, would have had a pretty good base. Had a bridge named after his father. And it didn't go anywhere, nope. his campaign. And now we got another ca opponent uh, uh, against him. Uh, Taisha Sullivan. Sullivan. And, uh, by the way, she came to Malden. Oh, she did show up, you she think? She did show up. She passed out circulars. And um, my sitting there just as a, uh, uh, as a person participating in the, the annual event became aware of watching the room uh, a, a bunch of people were very receptive to her. Yep. But in my mind, as you look, with no reflection necessarily on her, in my mind, when you run against um, an opponent who's in your own party, you have to be critical of that person for either what he does do or she, he or she doesn't do. Right. And in her situation, as I'm listening to her Pitch. talk, it was, it, she was indicating there was a lack of a lot of things going on that should be going on to protect the public. And for, when Bill Galvin had come on earlier, he was fast. He was a, um, he came by himself. He yep. came on early, and then he left. And uh, he talked about what he's been doing and what has done and what he's going to be doing. And I thought on the surface, if you listen to him, that he, he made a reasonably good pre presentation, particularly for someone who's in office. Right. She came along, seemed to fire up some people, and anything, if I were a disinterested third party, the worst I could say maybe about Bill Galvin was what the one thing against him was his age. Right. He looks his age. He's like Joe Biden. Yep. And, uh, yep. But based on that, I'm thinking maybe he's going to have a tougher race this time than last time. He's going to win by 30 points. It's going to be a complete blowout. She doesn't exist as a political candidate. And part of that, that's kind of funny that you, if everybody had the two opportunities that you had to see them together, which is which puts you in one half of one percent of the total population that's gonna vote, you're not wrong. Her problem with respect and I've got to start by saying I have never had Bill Galvin as a client. I've never been paid by him, so I want to be really clear. This is a disclaimer you're giving us right, now. Because I wanna I want to make sure people know that I don't have a vested interest here. You know, when I did the Kaverian, nobody remembers this anymore, but when I was a child and did the Kaverian-McGee battle, uh, Galvin, was I remember young, Galvin was a young state rep then from Brighton, I think in his third term, and, um, and uh, he started out, as did a lot of the incumbents, with McGee. And then he was the first person after the primary who flipped for George Kaverian. They later ran against each other, interestingly enough, for treasurer, which is kind of another funny story, but that's politics. The point is, if you say to 99.9% .9 of the people in the state house, which are educated political people, what does the Secretary of State do? They can't tell you. I'll tell you what they can't do. They have absolutely nothing to do with abortion. Now, I happen to be, in my entire life, strongly 
pro-choice. I am I am pro-abortion. I believe women should have the right to choose, and I think it should be between a doctor and a religion. And a, that's my personal opinion. That, 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 take that in a dime and go to the bank, okay? That's just an opinion. I know that the next Secretary of State, in the four years that they're in, the word abortion is never going to come through the goddamn front door of the Secretary of State's office. Now, if you want to run on abortion, which Sullivan does, then run for an office that has to do with abortion. I say the same thing to the auditor's race, quite frankly. You know, the woman running is a totally competent candidate. We'll get to her in a second, but I don't want to jump races. I want to stay on, on Sullivan. But she's talking about uh, sexual harassment. I think sexual harassment is something you should talk about. But the auditor of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts doesn't have anything to do with, I mean, talk about auditing. Talk about saving money. The, the one thing the other candidate who I'm not working or for. Or spending it wisely. Or spending it wisely. <laughs> or being able to... So what we've done is we've taken these offices that are very, they're not generic offices like governor or lieutenant governor or even the treasurer to some degree. They're running for state rep, state senator. That's when you talk about abortion and, 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 and that kind of stuff. You, don't, you, you convince me that you're going to be the best secretary of state by telling me about what you're going to do in the secretary of state's office or the auditor's office. And that, she, when, when she loses, as she will, um, one of the things that the lessons they'll learn, that she'll have learned is that's the mistake that Zakem made four years ago. What was his issue four years ago? Bill Galvin is opposed to abortion. He got beaten by 20 points. She's going to lose by 30. You beat a guy by saying, "Let me." you said it perfectly, this is how I'm going to make the office more relevant. Now, I will say this for Bill Galvin. The first... He's been in for 20-some-odd years now, 26. For the first 21 of that time, he was never endorsed by the Boston Globe, ever. The last time he ran against Zakem, the Boston Globe shocked everyone by endorsing Bill Galvin because he's done a good job. We don't care if he's conservative on, on abortion, even though the Globe's very pro-choice. This time, who did they endorse? Not the black woman, but Bill Galvin. Why? Because he's been a, you see it in his commercial, a historic uh, 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 Secretary of State. Now, does it mean I agree with him on abortion? No. If he's running for something that mattered there, I might very well vote him out. But this is the mistake that, that the candidates make in thinking that, that, that they can run for offices that are very specific in their responsibilities and not explain to Ed Lucy and Michael Goldman or the listeners out there how the hell I'm going to make that office better. You know, and I will say this, the guy who's running against uh, Tizoglia is, uh, his name is um, Dempsey. At least... At he, was, he came. Right. At least Dempsey has in his commercial a line that says he stayed the state billions of dollars by opposing the... It, and you just said that's part of the job of the auditor, right? At least his commercial mentions saving money, you know? So, um, again, I, I, that race, which we'll get to in a second, is very interesting. But in the, in the Secretary of State's race, Galvin's going to win in a landslide. Okay. The, and Treasurer Goldberg is running unopposed. Unopposed. And, and again, fascinating to me uh, that, uh, that uh, usually someone throws their name in just because what the hell she could get hit by a bus, well, Suzanne Bump. She was. She's. She's my old client. She is a former client of mine. Right. Um, she certainly would have been renominated. And oh, she would have. She, she was just. It was time. You know, her husband yeah. passed away, and and uh, and he left the business that she's going to go back to oh, running. And okay. she was in for twelve. But she endorsed Dempsey. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. not the woman. Now she ran. When we ran, one of our things was it's time to put a woman, a statewide office holder. So she and Debbie won. Right now she's she's leaving. Suzanne, Bump you're referring Suzanne. To. she's leaving. She endorsed the white guy yeah. because she says he's the best yeah. in her mind, the best candidate. Now you know again, voters make up their minds, but yeah. interesting although, stuff. Although on paper, the opponent is a state senator from Methuen, I right. think. So uh, that would have some political base, but th that's a long way from uh, metropolitan Boston. Boston. But yeah. she, but the biggest thing he has going for him is he has a number of women state senators where she served who have endorsed him. And that always gives me pause. 
I don't know her. She she seems like a very nice person. I have no problem with her at all. Yeah. But it is interesting. When I'm making my judgments and I don't know, you're going to laugh. I want to know where Ed Lucy is at a race in Malden because Ed Lucy watches Malden. He understands the city. He he, he watches. He he sees council meetings. He knows who's articulate, who's a showboat, who's who's you know right. So I'm going to make all my, of them. Yeah, my my <laughs> my judgment in part has got to depend on the people I know best and trust. In this case, it would be you and Malden. I'd call you up and say, "So two people are running. Tell me about them, and you'll tell me." Right. So. Ultimately, in the end, the fact that that Dempsey has gotten so many of her colleagues to be with her, and he won the convention, she didn't, which was a total surprise to me. Um, usually, it's a good place. I mean, Galvin lost the convention. He's never won a Democratic convention, never once. Twenty-seven years he's been elected. It's amazing. It's amazing because he's a you know, quite frankly, an Austin, Brighton, quote unquote, Boston guy, and. Um, one of the most, and I don't use this term lightly, brilliant political people that I've met in my lifetime, but, Calvinist. But man, he is a tough, you know, I mean, he is not warm and fuzzy. He is a politician who's one not being, you know, having any that. that sort yeah, of. and some of that too may be that uh, uh, he's not a mix of like the, yeah, saying, first, uh, the usual observation of a. Of, a, of, a, of someone running for office, he's pressing flesh and It's amazing people. he won yeah. it all, even yeah. originally. The yeah, he I came mean, by himself. He won that's the him. He knew some people there. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, now we're down. Fascinating. To, now, the auditor, um, he, Chris, de- Chris de- de- came. De- he made yeah. a good talk, a presentation, and he got ha- a good resume. So, uh, ha- did, did, Diana, did Diane come? No. Desaglia. Yeah, no. interesting. And, and then uh, she should have. Catherine Clark is running unopposed. No, right. she's got an opponent, a Republican opponent, but she's a yeah. So she's running unopposed in the in the primary. That's a joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> no, I'm saying even even in the final, she's running unopposed. Yeah, yeah, she's Terry, running with the Republican. Terry Kennedy, which is a fabulous, fabulous guy, uh, and also uh, absolutely a, a long long overdue lack, uh, needless function governor's council. Right, council. it doesn't matter. He's still a, he's one of the funniest, most charming people. And if you've got to have somebody making choices on judges. I'd rather have Terry Kennedy there than virtually anybody. He right. is really, I mean, you know, but nobody knows what they do and nobody cares. And Well, as a matter of fact, if my memory serves me correct. Um, His dad was a state rep from Everett. Oh, yeah, right. He, used to, he was a personnel director uh, for the MBTA. And every job went to the best, most qualified person with the best resume. But they have to live in Everett. Uh, yeah. If they live in Everett. If yeah. they, you know, they, yeah. It could happen, you know. Things but, are strange. But sometimes in politics is an example of it because I do think that when the opportunity came for run, uh, when he first ran for um, uh, governor's council, he lived in Linfield, which right. I think he still does. He does, yep. But he only li- he lived in Linfield in the one part of the town that was part of the 6th District, which was the governor's it's council. Thing, right. If he lived on the other side of town, he wouldn't have been able Welcome to run. Welcome to America. So you know. uh, Listen, I, uh, Bill Keating, who's been the congressman now in the Cape for 10, 12 years. He was a 10, freshman rep years. when I was uh, right. there you go. brief tenure. There you go. And he became a senator, and then he ran against Bulger, got killed in that fight, yeah. and then became DA. And yeah. then, uh, But when he ran for Congress... He was literally across the street. He had to move literally across the street so that he could run on the same street, literally, yeah. because of the, the, the way the lines are. So, yeah, although being in the same district did, isn't required to be. Did, like by the way, no, no. But it was. It's, it certainly sounds better yeah. if you think the guy's going to live in your town. Let me let me just say. Did how did um, did Terry show up? No. N- and you know why? He's unopposed. Of course. Why would you? I want to live a life. Okay, God, I don't have to go to the Malden picnics. This is great. His, maybe he's in his law office. You know, there you go. Yeah. Close, close. Yeah. He's a fabulous guy, though. Seriously. Yeah, Jason Lewis running unopposed. There you go. He uh, didn't show up, I bet. J- Jason was there. Oh, he did come. Now, that's interesting. Yeah, now, that's yeah, interesting because yeah, yeah, he's running and, unopposed. Yeah, Good for him. And, uh, 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 Steve Altrino. Well, Steve, who um, I mentioned. Yeah. Paul Donato, who was uh, represented part of Med- Malden. Medford mostly, right? It's two-thirds Medford, one-third Med- Malden. Um, he um, he came. Uh, his opponent is from Malden. Really? She, I didn't know he had a... I don't, I don't yeah, know. and she ran against him two years ago. She carried my precinct, which was in Ward 7. The voting was at the Suffolk Manor, Whoa. which would be the only one in Ward 7 of the two precincts. She, and she carried that precinct, but I found out more recently 
that she also carried the three other precincts that were uh, in mo- the Moreland part of the district. Wow. So, and she has a connection to Medford too as well because she's a, she was involved with a, a, a Muslim group, of, of, of a nonprofit over there. And uh, so, I'll tell you that you just tripped into one of the great secrets of politics. Of the hundred and sixty members of the Massachusetts State Legislature, where you so nobly served, a hundred and fifty-one come from the largest city or town making up that district. Geography is the single biggest deciding factor. There's a race up in that nobody here cares about up in the uh, Marblehead Swamps got in a little piece of Lynn. And for the last 60 years, 70 years, the winning candidate had come comes from uh, Marblehead because Marblehead is twice as big as the other two pieces together. So geography... Not ethnicity, not color, not race, not ideology. Geography is key. And so it doesn't surprise me that Donato won what he won and that she, if she was perceived to be the Malden candidate, people want someone who's going to represent them. And the best way to get somebody to represent them is if the garbage is being picked up by the same truck that picks up my garbage. The kid's going to the same schools my kids go to. So you're going to understand Malden's garbage pickup better than you ever could Medford because your garbage doesn't get picked up in Medford. Same company. Well, and district attorney, she's running unopposed in a primary. Right. Ryan. She did not show up. No, and neither the sheriff, but he's running unopposed. Right. That's Katusha. That's correct, Peter. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. Fascinating. Well, what's even more interesting is on the Republican side, in the remaining time, we'll try to cover that. They have an opponent in the primary. They sure do. And people think that the reason Mike Baker didn't run was because one of those two people is a is a Trumper, and he came he surfaced early to be opponent to him. Right. I don't think that was the reason at all. It's been a recent tradition in Massachusetts. You do two terms as governor, you and leave. you either go up or you out, go you out. Go. And, exactly. And, uh, Who needs it? Who it, needs it? I live near the governor. He lives in Swampscott. Right. I I have to drive by essentially right. his house, right. and the people. Uh, particularly the Trumpers, um, would be at the bottom of the street with horns and bullhorns, and it was just, uh, no one should have to put up with that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Seriously, it's awful. Yeah. And I don't blame them for walking away. Yeah. I, I, You know, good well, good. Like, you go out, they're not carrying you out with a pitchfork, what right, the hell. Right. But I will say this to you, that's my surprise. I think that this guy, Doughty, who is uh, a Doughty, I believe Doughty, it's, it's a Doughty? Dodie. I believe that the early vote has included, on the Republican side, has included a significant number of independents who are taking Republican ballots. Interesting. I believe they're doing that to vote for Dodie, who's on TV. I think you're right. And they are anti. They're in the, now the question is on election day because the Trump people are told don't trust early voting. So why, if I'm a Trumpster, why would I ever trust my, my vote's going to be stolen if I said that it early? It's ludicrous, but whatever. Um, the question is, is, is on election day, are they going to stick with the Trump person? Are they not going to show up because they think he's already won? You know, Or are there independents on that day who, instead of taking a Democratic ballot, take a Republican ballot and help him? I, I think that race is the one that could be much, much, much closer than anyone thinks, and maybe even an upset, which means that the governor's race changes totally. Yeah. Well, I think it's going to be an upset. So you agree? Only yeah. be, only because it, I think because the guy is running is te- you know is a you know he's got a decent resume, Dowdy, and he's, oh, yeah, he's absolutely issues that the people listen to. And the other guy has been invisible because he doesn't have any money. Zero. And, and uh, his campaign manager is is is, is uh, Lewandowski, the guy who is Trump's. Famous from Virginia? No, from uh, New Hampshire. Oh, right, Lewandowski. He ran up there, lost, but he's he's a famous Trumpster, and he's paying him five or ten thousand dollars a month. And if you've seen him once, you've seen him more times yeah, than I haven't me. seen Dial at all. Lieutenant Governor is two 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 unknown choices. Right? Chose they, they were not elected. They were they were chosen to run together, which is and and uh, and by the way, there may be an upset there where. Where Dowdy gets the lieutenant governor who's running with um, uh, Deal, yeah. who's the Trumpster, right. because those people are less likely on election day to go with the lieutenant governor who they don't know. If I got two choices, one and I'm, I'm, I'm out there to vote for the Trump guy, why not? 
Or blank. You can blank it. Yeah, good Fascinating. Point. They have, they have uh, but as you read through the, the list of the people in the, at the state level running, yes. there's, a, there's a gentleman named James McMahon, and I don't know, and and there's a secretary of state, there's a, 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 a Ray Rayel Campbell. Right, Campbell. And uh, no one's running for treasurer uh, on the, as a Republican. No, there's an auditor a person. It's an unknown soldier. And um, the thing is, they didn't even fill the whole slate. They couldn't. It's, 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 it's the, the saddest th- thing that in my lifetime is to see the complete dissipation. When you and I, and again, I keep saying this and I apologize. When you and I were kids... The first race that I really remember, the first campaigns that I, I sort of was JFK in 60, obviously. Locally, it was really the 62 race, uh, Peabody versus Volpe. Although there was a, he's the one that had two towns named after right. Peabody yeah, yeah, and Marblehead. Yeah, right. No, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, no. Athol and Marblehead, I thought it was. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, the, the point is, is, is that uh, in 1964, which is the next cycle because they ran every two years, not four years, as you well remember. Amazingly, we had 12 congressmen. Now we only have nine. All nine are Democrats. In 1964, six were Republican and six were Democrat. Was it Goodwin? With with, uh, us here? No, our our congressman happened to be uh, Torbett. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, you're talking about, okay. Yeah, but I'm saying, I'm saying in the state, in the, in the uh, 60, it's by 64, which is the first race I remember, it was six and six. The state Senate, with 40 members, um, were, uh, uh, was, was only separated by one, so it was 21-19, I believe it was, out of 40. Now, there's three. Three. And the House side of the old 240 House, which was before you, but the, the 240 House, it was, at that point, it was still about 60-40, um, Democrat-Republican. It had become the break, but it hadn't broken yet. So you had Republicans who were viable. In Malden, we had a mayor, a state senator, Fred Lamson. You know, a state rep. Herbie Jackson. Herbie Jackson was a state. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there were, you know, even the most famous Maldonian to run for statewide office, uh, George Fingold, ran as a Republican, was from Malden. Clayton Street. Clayton Street, Malden, and he he was. I was a paper boy. Did, were you really? Yeah. Oh, that is so funny. The point is. Is that he didn't, the, the, he didn't live there then? The family still owned well, the house. Right, he, he they died before the right before the election. He probably right. would have lost. But he right. was attorney general, Republican attorney general. The point is, you had two parties with two different kinds of candidates, both of which had messages to sell, and sometimes they conflicted, and sometimes they were the same. But they were, and we've lost all of that. Ed, the fact that we can go in and say across the state. I don't think there were six, seven state reps that are Republican state reps in that one sixty house. It's yeah, well, I would. I'm thinking um, some of some of less in recent years, even though if they were in safe districts because they had business opportunities outside politics, right? Or maybe they got an appointment from Baker. But um, I think now it's down to uh, maybe in the twenty somewhere. It's, it's low. It's and, really and low. It's I an, think it may be it may be uh, uh, under twenty now. But it's, it's the point is, is that they can't they can't veto a bill. They can't object to anything. They can't. They, they, there there is no opposition party. Now some would say that Ed Lucy, when he was in, was sometimes the opposition party to Tom McGee. Um, you know, there were progressives and Me there were Colo. Yeah. You know, I mean the point the, the point is is that it's healthy to have a two party system. Well, maybe we um the rest of the slate, they're, they're an embarrassment, but that's another issue that I wanted to touch on before we ended the show. I've, met, I've been an advocate, I've mentioned it on some recent shows, that what, what Massachusetts should consider, and I think it would be, work effectively for government, is that the, um, uh, like a, a bunch of states have been doing, it's just one slate of candidates. Right, right in, in the primary, if you don't get 50% of the vote, then the top two people run off. And uh, it's not that numbers like Alaska or Cambridge, but right. it's just if you don't get 50% in the primary, it doesn't matter if it's two Republicans, two Democrats, one of each, then you have the top two run. 
the interesting thing is I'm for that too. And 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 um, Michael's mentioned uh, when Markey first got elected, and he's never lost an election. That was a field made up of uh, six or eight, pe- seven no, or eight people. No, Ten? thirteen, thirteen. Well, can- but, and I can name them. That's terrifying. Well, we wouldn't have time. No, but I know. Anyway. I know. <laughs> when I come back. Can we start with that? I'm going to come back before the election, okay. maybe a week before the election, to talk right. about the election. All right. When I come back, we will talk because I think you are 1,000%. The fact yeah. that we're in the same place on that change yeah. and how healthy it would be, yeah. um, we'll make that the first starting point yeah. of our yeah. second part of this, which will be in late October. Right. And the, one of the other things as part of that is the, the replacement for Kennedy in, when, he, when he vacated the congressional office was the same as Markey. There was there was a bunch running. He got twenty percent, low twenties, and now he, that that uh, congressperson Ed, Ed Markey got seventeen, no twenty one point something percent of the vote in a field of thirteen and yeah. stayed forever. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. not only that, he's not only stayed forever, but he's advanced to the point. Damn right. Hey, yeah. I'm proud to say I knew him when, yeah, when he was he, just a kid in Malden, so there you go. Yeah, Townsend Street. Yeah, young people say to me, you knew him back then. Wow. Yeah. It's like he's 100 Don't years bring old. up the fact oh. you knew when he was selling yeah, ice cream. Good. Yes, <laughs> I, uh, Woody in the truck. Woody, Woody's here with the ice cream truck. <laughs> anyway, I, it's been a pleasure. I'm looking forward to coming back before the final. We'll All right, we'll do up. a re- recap. And, Sounds and then good. There, there's... Um, We'll see if Dowdy's in the final. Couple of other, a couple of other points I was going to uh, – I don't know if we have time or not, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to I, – I, I had brought with me, I thought, and I don't have it. You, and you, you, I'm not going to ask you to answer the question, but I have, I've been with two groups of people in, recently, and I've asked them who Al Gore's running mate was in, in the presidential election. Lieberman. Yeah, but you're telling me because you're ruining my story. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I apologize. <laughs> I thought you were asking me the question. No, no. But anyway, what happened was that um, this group, it was small groups, but educated, business, whatever, the only one that was able to give the right answer was a woman who took out her iPhone under the table and asked Zelda. Or, oh, uh, no. <laughs> and yes. the point I'm making is that isn't that many years ago. And what people don't realize is that in that particular election, Al Gore lost because he didn't carry Florida. He lost because there was 400 or 500 chads, which was a new kind of voting process for for one county in Florida. And it was a court case that went up to the Supreme Court. Five to four. in, In Florida. Then it went to the National Supreme Court. And after the election, now this was in early January, Lederman got a letter and discussed it with Al Gore about going back to the Florida Supreme Court, and Al Gore said, no, the election is over, we've lost, and we settled it. And now you contrast that with— And he won in Florida. Yeah, and and what what also people forget— was there was a third party in that election, That's right. Ralph Data, and he got a big votes. vote in Florida, and uh, he, as he did some other places. And obviously, those people were leaning more to the left, which would infer that um, Al Gore, would, if they voted, would have gone Democratic, and he would have won Florida. And this, look at what might have happened to the country since then. So, you know, on that note, fascinating, fascinating the, the election is Tuesday. It's worthwhile vote, to vote. vote. Go out. Just Even go as a out. Republican, you got choices. Those choices you make will give you another chance in November to make another choice. And the weather forecast is supposed to be good, so there's no excuse. And uh, you can vote over the counter before Monday or Tuesday if you don't have a chance to vote and, on Tuesday. And, and if you say, well, gee, I don't really have anyone to vote for, if you like the job, your state senator, your congressman, your rep— if you go out and vote and say yes, you're sending them a message that you're happy with them. They may not have an opponent, but it, 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 it that's a way of saying to them, "Thank you for the job you're doing." Yeah. And, because, and if you and your your friend across the street might be voting against that same person because they don't like the person, so this way, yeah, you can take get them back that vote. Again, I look forward yeah. to seeing you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, be well. Pleasure. Yeah.